So please welcome the Monsignor, <laughs> Michael Hansen. Merci beaucoup, William, for my Quebecois friend. Hey, good morning, everyone. Before I get into the talk, uh, you may have noticed that I got new pants. No, you may have noticed that, uh, that, that uh, we painted the stage. I just want to let you know that this is like the beginning of phase one. So there's more to come. In fact, these boxes may be gone uh, one uh, weekend real soon. So I thought there would be applause for that one. But, uh, but yeah, uh, we've got some cool things coming for this stage. All right, uh, I am going to be picking up right from where uh, Heather left off last weekend. If you missed last weekend, it was an excellent talk. Uh, really dovetails with what I'm going to say today. So make sure you go online, listen to it. We have uh, free CDs on the info counter. You're more than welcome to grab one of those. But last weekend, Heather was looking at the end of chapter 1 uh, of Philippians, the beginning of chapter 2, and she was looking at uh, where Paul was addressing. He's, you know, he's written this letter to this, to this church in Philippi, and he was addressing some, uh, some disunity. There was some uh, conflict in the church. And uh, in Philippians, the beginning of chapter 2, he calls them to unity, and he gives them some steps to help them move in that direction. And here's what he says. Verse 3 of chapter 2 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And then the verse that we ended with last weekend is where Paul, you know, after saying this, basically says, so here's what I'm saying. Verse 5 says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now, it might say in your Bible, have the same attitude as Christ Jesus, but, but uh, what we're going to look at today is what follows that verse. And really, uh, uh, this, this passage we're looking at, it's, it's considered to be like an ancient poem or an ancient hymn that would have been sung, which would be awesome to hear what this would have, how this would have sounded. But really what we're going to look at today is a, uh, in a real short chunk of scripture, it's, it's describing a theological term called the incarnation. And I know many of you know what that word means, but for some of you, I know that you don't know what that word means. And, and basically in the Bible, God has revealed himself as, <coughs> as one God in three persons. So it's the Trinity, and so we have God the Father, uh, God the Son, Jesus, and then God the Holy Spirit. And the incarnation is when God the Son, when Jesus uh, came to earth, took on flesh, uh, you know, uh, came to earth in the human form and lived among us. It's the incarnation is when Jesus came to earth uh, fully God and at the same time fully human, fully man. And, and as he came to earth, he came with a message. And the message was, with his coming to earth, it was the kingdom of God is here. Uh, you know, the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God has now come to earth. And, and he talked about how the, the kingdom of God is very different from the kingdom of this world. Uh, this is in your notes. The kingdom of God is often referred to as the upside-down kingdom. In the kingdom of God, the weak are the strong. In the kingdom of God, the, the poor are the rich. The, the humble are the exalted. So Jesus came, you know, declaring and teaching this message, but he also came, and really what we're going to look at today, he also came demonstrating what it looked like to, you know, demonstrating what the kingdom of God looks like in action. And in Philippians 2, what we read already, uh, Paul calls you and I to follow the example that Jesus demonstrated. Now, as we get into this passage, what you're going to see real quick 
is how impossible it is for you and I to follow the example of Jesus. Basically, you know, what Paul says is we're to be imitators of Jesus. And, and when we look at, 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 at just the way Jesus lived his life, it's like, are you kidding me? You, wanna, you want me to live like him, to imitate him? But remember, one of the themes uh, of the series, one of the themes of the book of Philippians is Christian maturity. That God is coming to us going, I know you're here and the example is there, but what I am committed to doing in your life is I want to grow you from immaturity to maturity. I want to grow you up as a Christian. And you know, and just that, from our perspective, that sense of impossibility, like, like how are we going to get from here to there? It got me thinking about, I'm sure you've been following this in the news, but the, uh, the soccer team that was trapped in the caves in Thailand, I mean, wasn't it so uh, wonderful to have good global news? Uh, you know, watching these little guys get rescued. But, but before they were rescued, I remember, you know, days before it actually happened, uh, reading in an article about, okay, here's the rescue plan. Here's how we're going to get these 13 uh, boys from, you know, from where they are in this cave out again, out into the light. And, and basically the rescue plan was, uh, we're going to have these, these guys scuba dive through, like, I think it was two-plus miles of, of cave, like, dark, murky currents of cave water. They're going to scuba dive through that. And if that wasn't impossible enough, they said, and a lot of the boys don't know how to swim, and none of them have ever gone scuba diving before. And to me, that's a picture of just how impossible it is for you and I standing in this place looking at the example of Jesus going, you want me to get from here to there. But what made it possible, their rescue, what made it possible in Thailand was that they, they, didn't, uh, they weren't expected to go alone. That every boy that was rescued, if you've seen the videos, it's, actually it's very moving uh, to watch. Every boy was accompanied by like four Navy SEALs, the best of the best. And what got them rescued, what got them, you know, literally from darkness to light was them trusting that, I don't know how to get out of here, but you guys do. So I'm going to let you lead me. And is that not a picture of what, of, of God's heart towards you and I, that he, you know, he wants to grow us from where we are. He wants to grow us, uh, you know, uh, rescue us from the caves of the kingdom of this world. He wants to grow us from the immature ways of this world. And grow us into the ways of his kingdom, the, you know, out of darkness into light. He wants to grow you and I into uh, the example of Jesus. And just like the boys in Thailand, the way that's going to happen is not you and I, you know, figuring it out or trying to. It's you and I trusting that God knows how to lead us to that place. So let's, uh, let's pray. Hopefully I've set it up, my talk. Let's pray and then uh, we'll jump into Philippians 2. So Lord, we, uh, uh, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you, uh, well, that you are a rescuing God. Lord, that you, just like those, those Navy SEALs, you, you not only, they put their life on the line, you gave your life that we'd be rescued. Lord, I, I pray today that there would be uh, just a strong sense of your presence. I pray that because of today, uh, each one of us would would have taken a step closer to, to being more like you, Jesus. That you would mature us, you'd grow us a little more today. Uh, we just welcome you here in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, uh, so we're going to be in Philippians 2, and here's what we're going to do to start. Uh, 
Eric, you want to throw that up on the screen? This is uh, Philippians 2, verse 5. I want to read this together as we set up for the, for the first point. So let's read it out loud. Here we go. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to, to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being, next slide, here we go, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. All right, so number one in your notes is the freedom to get low. The freedom to get low. And like I said in the introduction, these, you know, what we just read is such a beautiful picture of the incarnation, of God coming to earth, taking on flesh, uh, being in man, uh, you know, uh, taking on the form of a human being. And, and I first want to point out that what Jesus did, uh, he did it willingly. Uh, you look at the language of what we just read, that Jesus willingly made himself nothing. That Jesus willingly in, uh, took on the nature, the, the, uh, the very nature of a servant, of a slave. That Jesus willingly humbled himself. Jesus willingly, Jesus chose to go from the highest height to the lowest low. It's not like, you know, it's not like uh, uh, as Jesus, you know, as he, as he came to earth, it's not like his divinity, you know, burned up as he entered the earth's atmosphere. It wasn't taken from him. He willingly chose to, to you know, a, a life of downward mobility. And although he was God, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-everything, although he was God, he chose not to use that to his advantage. Jesus, although he was fully God, again, he didn't use it to his advantage. He embraced full humanity. I think Jesus was way more human than we, you know, than we can grasp or than that we would dare believe. Jesus was very human, just like you and I. And, and you know, when I think about that, when I think about this, you know, the context of, of, of uh, him getting low, of Jesus choosing to get low, I, you know, I just try to, I let my imagination go a little bit, which can be dangerous, but can also be wonderful. And I try to imagine Almighty God shrinking himself down and entering the womb of a teenage girl and sitting there for nine months. Like, I just imagine, this is God. I try to imagine, you know, the one who created the heavens and the earth uh, choosing to be needy. You know, they had to feed him, right? He would, he, uh, they had to change his diaper. I mean, uh, the, you know, the one who, who, you know, formed our muscles and our bones, like all of our, our, our humanness, he had to learn how to walk. He had to learn how to, how to talk. I mean, uh, the Bible says that, you know, his voice is a voice that thunders over the water. To think that the voice that spoke the heavens into being cracked, he went through puberty. I mean, Jesus, he, he's, I mean, I mean, try to, okay, I'll, right away, I had all these things coming, like, we could, I could go off on that for a long time. But think about that. Think about, you know, this, this downward mobility, that he went even further, that he, you know, that the king of all kings uh, chose to take on the attitude, the posture of a slave. And he came to earth not to be served, but to serve. 
And, and even further than that, he, you know, he humbled himself to the point of, of letting the people that he gave breath to, that he breathed life into, he let them take his breath. He let them take, uh, take his life. Jesus chose to go from the highest height to the lowest low. And, and really, all that I've been saying can be summed up in one verse. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 says this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Now here's what I want to grab onto in this first point. Where, you know, it's, it's, it's the freedom to get low. Well, how is that possible? What was it that freed Jesus what was it you know, that freedom to step down off his throne in heaven, lay aside his princely robes as the son of God? What freed him to get low, to willingly get low and humble himself? And if we're supposed to imitate him, if that's, what it, you know, if that's the direction God wants to lead us in our lives, if that's the, you know, the picture of Christian maturity, well, if we're supposed to imitate him, how are you and I gonna be freed to, to get low? When Paul says to have the same mindset or attitude as Jesus, he doesn't just mean imitate his, uh, his outward example. He also means imitate his inward example. And here's what I mean. Uh, before Jesus came to earth, what was he doing? Right? Think about that. What was Jesus doing before he came to earth? Right? Was he playing Xbox in his father's basement? No. Okay. He, that's not funny. But he, uh, well, sort of is to me. But, uh, he, where was he? he? He existed forever with his Father, with the Holy Spirit. He existed forever. I mean, just, I can't even comprehend. He existed forever in the most perfect, beautiful picture of love, of family, of community. I mean, he, that's, where he, that's where he had always been. And then, you know, one day from that place, his Father, you know, basically says, okay, son, Remember the plan? Yeah, I remember the plan. It's, it's time for you to go. And off Jesus went. He stepped down from earth, fully God, fully human. And in becoming fully human, in laying aside, you know, what gave him an advantage, he took on all the human struggles that you and I struggle with. Right? Jesus doubted. Jesus was insecure. Jesus, in his humanity, in his humanity, he needed reassurance he needed encouragement. He needed, just like you and I do, and when Jesus finally, you know, he comes to earth, and baby, little boy, teenager, now he's a man, and when he finally goes public, you know, when his father says, okay, it's time for the reveal, Jesus, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna uh, show the world who you are, and, and, and when he finally does that, at his baptism, we see the father, uh, totally for our sake, but I think way more for the sake, for Jesus' sake than we realize we see the father reassuring his son of his love. And, and remember when Jesus comes out of the water and you know, Matthew 3.17 says, and a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. See, Jesus, he was fully human. He needed to be reassured and the father reminded him, Jesus, remember all that you always lived in, right? Nothing has changed, son. You, you know, I love you. With you, I'm well, well pleased, Jesus. Nothing has changed. And so how, what, what freed Jesus to get low? It was the love of his father. 
It was being anchored in and filled with the Father's love. And, and it's, it's, it was the foundation of his life. It was the place where Jesus lived his life from. It really is what freed him to, to get low. It was knowing and experiencing his Father's love. I mean, think about this. Do you think it would make a difference in your life if every morning when you got up, you heard a voice from heaven say, you know, that, if that was your alarm clock, you are my son, you are my daughter, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. I mean, I know, I mean, what is, I, I know when, when I feel loved by someone, I mean, doesn't it, doesn't it just fill you up? Doesn't it just fill you with confidence? I mean, when Helen, she doesn't even have to say I love you. There's just a look that she gives me that literally that look makes my chest get this big. When she gives me that look, I feel like I could do anything. How much more the pure, no strings attached, you know, never changing love of God. So do you think it would make a difference? Well, of course it would make a difference. Do you think it would free you up from that place of knowing I am loved? Do you think it would free you up to follow the example of Jesus? Do you think it would free you up to get low? See, Jesus, who was rich, became poor so that you and I would discover how rich we are in him. And then what he calls us into is now knowing that we are rich in him, we get to willingly now become poor so that others who don't yet know Jesus can discover how rich they are in him. See, we were created to run on the fuel of God's love. That's what, you know, that's the kind of motor we have inside. It's to run on the love of our Father. But one of the consequences of living in a, you know, a broken world and a, in a world where sin has poisoned our minds and poisoned our bodies, and, and one of the consequences is our ears are filled with wax now. Right? It's, it's, we, God is speaking every day. God is constantly speaking his love. His love for you is never ending. It never stops. No matter what you're doing, no matter what condition you're in, I love you. You're my son. I'm pleased with you. It's a constant flow, but we don't hear it because our ears are filled with wax, like wax of shame. It's like we just can't even believe it's true. But that voice that says you're a loser and you're not going anywhere, whew, we can hear that voice. Right? We have whack, earwax of unbelief. We just can't, like, God would speak to me? Right? Or, or earwax of unworthiness. Or, I mean, we have an enemy. We have an enemy who's constantly running around trying to plug our ears. Because the enemy knows that when a human being knows the love of God, when you know that God loves you, when you hear that, when you experience that, he knows that he's lost He's lost the battle in your life. He knows that you are now free to follow the, the, the example of Jesus. And so he works overtime. See, you don't know how rich you are if you don't know how loved you are. But if you know how loved you are, you're, you're free. You're free. The, the, the love of God, the love of God sets us free to follow the example of Jesus. And, and if you're sitting there going, man, what do you mean hearing God tell me he loves me? If, if that's what you're thinking right now, I want to encourage you. Here's just a very practical plug. Uh, Tuesday night, 
Heather's going to be teaching a class in the cafe on, hey, hearing God's voice. What a coincidence. But I want to encourage you, if that's you, go to that class. Because God wants to teach you how to hear his voice. How to recognize his voice. When, you know, when Helen and I first met, if I was in a, in a crowded room and if, and if she called my name, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't recognize it. Now, after 31 years of being married, if I hear, <laughs> if I hear her voice, I, I recognize it. Well, that's because all these years I've learned to, uh, to recognize her voice. Does that make sense? Oh, so just cry along with me now. No, but <laughs> Helen's in Canada. That's what, that's, what, that's what a week and a half away from Helen does to you. So make sure you tell her this happened, okay? Because that'll, that'll be like ka-ching for me, all right? But don't make it subtle. Make it subtle. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but here's a great... But it's learning. We learn to recognize his voice. But here's a, great, here's a great prayer to prayer. Here's a great verse to memorize. It's Psalm 143.8. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. For I have put my trust in you. So how was it possible for Jesus? What freed him to get low? It was that. It was daily knowing and experiencing and hearing the love, Father's love. Let's, let's move on. Okay, so uh, that's more of a how. Let's look at why. Why did Jesus go from the highest height to the lowest low? Uh, number two in your notes is this. Uh, he gave us or, or the example for us to grow into. Right? He, he, he demonstrated the example for us to grow into. Jesus comes to earth, again, the incarnation, fully God, fully man, but uh, he chose to set aside his divine attributes. I've been saying that all the way along. Jesus is like an X-Man who decides not to put his cape on. He's, a, he's an X-Man who decides to just live his life like every other human being. Jesus got tired. Jesus got thirsty. Jesus got hungry. Jesus got discouraged. We talked earlier. I'm, I'm, you know, it says in Hebrews 4 that Jesus was tempted in every way that you and I are. I mean, think about that. Like, I mean, that's where you go, wow, the humanity of Jesus. I think of the things that I'm tempted by, and I go, really? Jesus, you were tempted by those things? I mean, he was tempted. What it does say in Hebrews 4 is he was tempted in the same ways that we are, but, but the, here's the big difference. He never gave in to that temptation. He never sinned. But Jesus was fully human, uh, and when you look at the Bible, he was really the, what we see in the Bible is that he was a very average human. Considering you know, that he was the son of God, there was something very average about him. Here's, here's the picture of Jesus that I grew up with. No, I mean, maybe you're, I mean, in the Bible I had, I think I had this picture. Uh, I, I'm sure we had a picture on the wall. Like, that is like, that's a very handsome Jesus, right? I'm sure that people would have been lined up for miles to get selfies with this guy. You know, I think of the Pharisees and all the times they would grill Jesus with questions. I'm sure they would have said, Jesus, what kind of conditioner do you use? You know, it's like, well frankincense but I mean that's but you know that's not <laughs> how many use that? but but that picture is not at all accurate Jesus got low here's a picture here this is from the book of Isaiah here is a picture of what Jesus looked like uh, verse Isaiah 53 verse 2 says he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him nothing in his appearance that we should desire him he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. 
That's how God chose to reveal himself to the world. Like, that's getting low. And, you know, just as a side note, isn't that when you look at that and that description of Jesus, doesn't that make Jesus super approachable? It's like, that guy's not intimidating at all. See, if, if I was Jesus in my, my humanity, I, if I was going to go to a planet, you know, uh, and all these people, and I wanted to make an impact, I, you know, I wanted to go to a planet and establish my kingdom, this is how I would have revealed myself, right? <laughs> uh, you know, shock and awe, Jesus. You know, it's like, that's how I would have, you know, to make a good impression. We'll be selling copies. That's like, woo. But, but that is not at all how Jesus came to earth. Jesus laid aside everything that gave him an advantage and willingly took a very low, very average, very below average human place in this world. So here's where my mind goes then. If he did that, if he, you know, if he didn't use anything to his advantage, you know, all his power is, is divinity, well then how did he, look now everyone's just staring at the picture. Maybe we should take the, <laughs> uh, how was it possible for him to do all the amazing miracles that he did. Ever thought about that? Like Jesus goes around, he's healing all these people, he's delivering uh, you know, all these demons, go, and they go. He's, he's turning water into wine, he's feeding thousands of people with a little boy's lunch. Lazarus, come forth, he's raising the dead. If he laid aside his, you know, what, what gave him an advantage, if he laid aside his divine power, well, wait, how did he do all that he did? Here's where we see the example for us to grow into. This is really important. Jesus came to demonstrate what it looks like when a human being is fully submitted to and obedient to the plans of God. The example of Jesus says, here's what is possible when a human being allows God, uh, when a human being follows God from a place of perfect trust and perfect obedience. So how did Jesus do all that he did? Acts 10 verse 37 says this, you know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. So how did he do it? How did Jesus, laying aside all his divine power, how did he do it? Well, this, this verse uh, answers that. How did he do it? He did it because God was with him. And more accurately, it's because God was with him and because God anointed, God filled Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power. Now, wait a minute. Think about that. Think about that. Because is it not the same for us? If you're a follower of Jesus, is it not the same for us? Uh, Matthew 28, you know, the Great Commission where Jesus, he's getting ready to, to go back up to heaven. He looks at his followers and he goes, okay, now you go do Everything you saw me do, basically. And then he ends that section off by saying, and don't forget, I will be with you always. And then Acts 1, verse 8, Jesus says, uh, he says, okay, I'm going to leave soon. Uh, and after I leave, I want you to wait here. Because what? Because I am going to fill you with my Holy Spirit. And he's going to empower you to be my witnesses. Well, what does that mean then? God is with us. We're filled with the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus. Well, well, that means then what Jesus did, we can do. Think about that. Like in following the example of Jesus, what he did, 
we can do. And, and what did he do? Jesus, you know, in demonstrating this, uh, he, he modeled a life of constant dependence on his father. Everywhere he went, every circumstance he came upon, every person that he met, there was a constant dependence on the father. There was this constant question, father, are you doing something here? Something cooking here? Right, I mean, this is, this is uh, uh, John five nineteen. This is really a picture of, of what Jesus did. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus says, the son can do nothing by himself. He laid aside what gave him an advantage over us. Just like you and I, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. See, Jesus needed the father to show him what to do. And one of the keys to living the Christian life and really what makes <clears throat> following Jesus an, an awesome adventure is growing in our ability to see, to see what God is doing. And for most of us, I think one of the reasons, I think God is, because it's the example of Jesus, I think God is constantly going, look here, look here, look here, look here to us as we go about our days. But I think one of the reasons we don't see it, we struggle to see it, is because we don't expect it. And if you don't expect it, you aren't going to see it. Uh, Colossians 3, verse 1, this is from the message. It says, <clears throat> so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorb with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. See, following the example of Jesus is getting up each day expecting God to say, hey son, hey daughter, here's, a, here's the mission I have for you today. It's expecting that because if we expect it, we're gonna see it. So two weeks ago, I was out for a walk. I love walking on the, uh, you know, Alum Creek on the dam, the trail there. <clears throat> and I was walking along and I came upon this young guy, uh, you know, he would have been like in his early 20s and he was decked out in like, uh, really nice hiking gear, boots, fancy pants, you know, big backpack. He had the poles. And so I just, he was tying his shoe and I just walked up to him and I said, hey, are, are you training for a hike? And he, he, you know, tied his shoe and we started walking together. And he starts telling me like, yeah, you know, me and some buddies, we're going to go to, I think it's the Sierras or something. We're going to go on this big hike and, you know, we're walking along the reservoir and, and just talking. And as we're walking along, suddenly in my mind, in my mind's eye, Shoo, this picture just goes through my mind. And the picture was me standing there at Alum Creek with my hand on this young man's shoulder praying for him. And I'm, you know, walking along seeing this picture and I was like, the father is showing me what he's doing. He just gave me a glimpse of the future. It's like he's going, okay, son, here's what I have for you. I want you to pray for this guy. And so we're walking along and we get to the, you know, by the stairs there. If you're familiar, we're gonna part ways. And I said, hey, could I pray a blessing over you, know, you and your buddies for this trip? And, and he said, he went, I guess he went, hey, I'm not religious. And I said, uh, hey, that's great. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> neither am I. <clears throat> but, uh, but he, <clears throat> so he let me pray for him. And I mean, that was, that was really, you know what, that was so easy. It was so fun just to, I felt like I just walked, you know, sort of like a back to the future thing. I just walked into the future. I'm like, I have seen this before. And just with great boldness. Why? Because that's what the father was doing. And God brought us together that day because he wanted me to pray for that young man. Now here, 
Here's something I love in the vineyard. We say everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to do, right? And don't, you know, don't sit there and you know, uh, say, well, no, nah, that was easy for you because you're a pastor. No way, no way. That doesn't cut it. Because you, God is with you. And you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and when I look at this room, the amount of gifting in this room is overwhelming. God has invested and poured into every person in this room gifts that he wants to use. And, and every person in this room, there, there are literally, you know, warehouses of good works that God has prepared for you. They're just waiting for you to expect and to see. And that's really what, you know, you know, one of the places God wants to mature us, many of us, all of us into, is that place of greater expectation that he will show you what he's doing. And many of you, you see it already, you just don't recognize that that's him. Right, when that, that picture or that thought or that feeling that comes over you. And, uh, but, but that's him, and that's what he wants to grow us into. Anyone who is a follower of Jesus can learn to do what Jesus did, depending on, expecting, looking for, and acting on what the Father is doing. All right, I need to keep motoring here. So let's, let's read the next half of this passage. So read along with me. This is a, uh, Philippians 2, verse 9. Here we go. Therefore... God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, so when we look at this passage in its entirety, Jesus has gone <clears throat> from the highest height to the lowest low, and now it says there, his father has now exalted him back again to the highest height. And the third point we want to look at is this. It's the life that God rewards. The life that God rewards. I mean, why did God exalt Jesus? Right? What did, what did Jesus do that God rewarded him, that God lifted him up to the highest height? Well, very simply, it was, he was rewarded, Jesus was rewarded because of his obedience to the Father's plan. It's not because of all the great things he did. It wasn't his accomplishments. It was his obedience to the Father's plan to get low. It was his, his willingness to empty himself, to humble himself, to take on the nature of a servant, to get low. Therefore, God rewarded him. God exalted him. And if that's what Jesus is rewarded for, well, what will you and I be rewarded for? Well, it's... it's Sort of for the same thing. And what I mean is this. It's, for us, it's our willingness to follow his example. Because when you look at the example of Jesus, we need to remember that Jesus is the perfect example. He's the perfect example. But what, all that God is looking for today and, and any day is someone who goes, okay, here's where I'm at. And I'm looking you know, at, down the road at the example of Jesus. I don't know how that's, impos I don't know how that's possible for me to imitate him. But if you say that I can do that, if you say that that's your plan for my life to imitate him, well then, Lord, I say yes. That's all God needs. And he's like, thank you very much. I can work with that. And, that's, and, that's, and I believe that is what we will be rewarded for, is just saying yes to the ways of God. And one of the things that we quickly see when we say yes to the ways of God, to the kingdom of God, what we quickly see is how it goes the opposite direction of the kingdom of this world. Because when you talk about reward and, you know, the, the kingdom of this world it very much is, 
is, uh, is, is a world where we, you know, we live to reward ourselves, right? It's like, you just got so many years on planet Earth, you better, you know, you better go hard and go after that reward, right? I mean, remember this bumper sticker? Uh, he who dies with the most toys wins. Remember that? But, in, you know, if actually he who dies with the most toys dies <laughs> and, and someone else, you know, gets those toys or gets to take over the payments, you know, for those, for those toys, um, Matthew 6, 19 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, here's something really important. Those verses don't say, so, you know, you can't have toys. That's not what it says. You can't have, it's not, it's not wrong to have nice things. It's not wrong to like nice things. It's not, I mean, that's not what that verse says. That verse says, that really the key question in that verse is, as you look at your life and all your stuff and all you do, the key question is, but what is your treasure? What is your treasure? What is the thing that owns your heart? I love the king of glory. You know, in my heart there is a throne that belongs to you alone. Right? What, what's, what's, on the, what's on the throne of your heart? What is the thing in your life that you are depending on, you know, fulfilling you? Right? What's the thing in your life that if you lost it, your life would be unbearable? Right? Because that is your treasure. That's the thing you're living for. The treasure for Jesus was obeying his father. The treasure for Jesus was, was living a life that pleased his father. And really, you look at the life of Jesus, the people wanted Jesus to get, you know, uh, to get his reward in this life, right? I mean, the whole, one of the reasons they turned on him is because they looked at him and they looked at what he could do and they said, oh, you're the king, you need to be the king. The people all wanted Jesus to take a, an earthly throne. And instead of going you know, up to an earthly throne, Jesus went all the way down to a cross and gave his life. Why? Why? Because he was living for a reward, you know, beyond this world. He was looking towards a heavenly throne. He was, you know, basically Jesus, you know, he was, he was living, he knew that when his work on earth was done, that he had waiting for him his heavenly reward. And, you know, we're called to follow his example. To be a people who are not living for an earthly reward. Right? We're a people who... We're, we're living way beyond that. We're living for a heavenly reward. Like you and I have a job to do this side of heaven. And, and, it's, and it's choosing to follow the example of Jesus. It's, he wants to teach you and I how to get low for the sake of others. He wants to teach you and I how to, how to look for what the Father is doing. He wants to teach you and I how to, you know, how to turn into the current of the kingdom of this world and go after his kingdom. And believe that in, you know, that in this life, that one day when our work on, our work on earth is done, that we're going to receive a heavenly reward. Way, way, way beyond anything this world could offer. Let me uh, end with this scripture. Hebrews 11, 13, this is from the message. Talking about those that embrace this, you know, the, the kingdom of God over the kingdom of this world. It says, each one of these people of faith died not yet having in hand what was promised, but still believing. How did they do it? They saw it way off in the distance, waved their greeting, and accepted the fact that they were transients in this world. 
People who live this way make it plain that they are looking for their true home. If they were homesick for the old country, they could have gone back anytime they wanted. But they were after a far better country than that. Heaven country. You can see why God is so proud of them and has a city waiting for them. Why don't we stand up? Let's just quiet ourselves. So, Lord, I pray, you know, as I've been talking, I know that you've been walking among us and you've been nudging and whispering. You've been just leaning into our lives. You know us. And I pray right now that you would just um, make it even clearer, you know, what you're saying to each one of us. Make it clearer. Help us to see what you're, you know, just what you're working on in our lives. Just come, Lord. So here's how we're going to end off. Um, uh, when I talked about so much gifting in this room, some of you went, yeah, I think you're like Charlie Brown. And remember Charlie Brown Halloween? Oh, I got a rock. <laughs> if, you, if you remember that, uh, where everyone else is getting candy and he got a rock. Remember that? Uh, you're just not aware of what God has poured into you. If, that, you know, if that's you, in a second, I want to invite you forward because we want to pray for you because God has gifted you. God has wired you for, he's got a bunch of special, cool things for you to do and it's going to fit who you are because he's the one who made you. So that's you. We want to pray for you and bless that. For some of you, it's, uh, uh, we want to pray for you that you, you want to get in the game. But you're like, you know, you struggle to see what the Father's doing. We want to pray for you that he would give you eyes to see. That he would tune you into uh, what he's doing. Um, uh, I felt like this might be for one or two people, but I just, as I was working this week, I just had this warning go through my, th- through my mind. It was like, what? Well, it was, uh, the ladder that you're climbing is against the wrong wall. That there's someone here today, or maybe it's a few people, that you're going hard after something, and today God has said, son, daughter, that's not what I have for you. You're, you're, you're caught up in the kingdom of this world, and I want to set you free. I want to rescue you out of that today. If that's you, we want to pray for you. Uh, we also want to pray for anyone who is sick or has pain in your body. I feel like, um, specifically, I felt like God was just saying joint pain, shoulders and knees and just any joints. If you have joint pain, we want to we wanna pray for you today. Actually, I'm going to do double duty today. Uh, so, <laughs> I actually have to go clean the restroom real quick. <laughs> um, but if that's you, 
Uh, I just want to invite you, Bill. I'm just going to go off this mic. Cool? So if that's you, I just want to invite you to come forward. Any of those things that, that I've said, if that's you, come on up. Someone's going to pray for you and just bless what God is, is doing. So come on up as we sing this last song. Oh. Just talk amongst yourselves. Come pour it out. 
we will worship. We will worship. We will love you. We will lift you up. We'll give you honor, praise, and glory. We Lord, we thank you for, for your presence. We thank you for uh, your constant commitment, your constant commitment to finish the work you've started in each one of us. And I pray that anyone today who feels guilty or any heaviness because of the talk today, I just, I just rebuke that thought. And I just encourage you to let that thought go. Because what God is, God is not condemning today, he's inviting. He's inviting us into the life we were made for. Following the example of Jesus. So Lord, I just thank you for each one that's here. I thank you for uh, just how awesome you are. And we just give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you get in prayer, feel free to continue. Don't forget the boxes in the back. All the money that's dropped in those boxes is going to go to our uh, Big Walnut uh, school supplies. Uh, see you 6 o'clock at the rib, thing, the rib cook-off on the uh, square. Have a wonderful afternoon, and we'll see you next week. Bless you.